Here we go, here we go. Welcome to Police Pod Talk. Whoop, whoop, it's the police. Don't look in your rearview mirror. This podcast covers the latest police news, along with hitting the hot topics you've been talking about all week. I'm your host, Cleveland. Thank you for joining us. Hey folks, welcome back to Police Pod Talk. Once again, I hope you had a wonderful weekend and enjoyed the uh, summertime weather we've been having and it's been really hot where we've been at. Today on the phone, I've got a young man by the name, he's going by Q, and I believe that's his name is Q. Uh, Q's going to talk to us a little bit about his life. Hey Q, you can go ahead and say hello to the people out there. Hey, hey, how's it going everybody? Glad to be here. Good, good. I'm glad you're here too. We're going to talk a little bit about his life. He's going to share his experiences. It would be a good, bad, indifferent, whatever. And uh, along the way, we'll hit him with some questions, and we'll get all the way into a lot of the things that have been unfolding across the country and uh, his take on it. Uh, Q, again, thank you very much for agreeing to be with us today. Absolutely, and thank you for having me. Q, go ahead and uh, fill us in a little bit. Let our listeners know where you grew up at, uh, a little bit of your education, talk about your family, and that way we can get a feel of who you are. Go right ahead. It's all yours. Appreciate it. Uh, Born and raised here in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, 1983, uh, the year I was born. I was born to a white father and a black mother, and I also grew up um, on the southeast side of Fort Wayne for the first uh, 14 years of my life, and then we moved to the northeast side of Fort Wayne. Both of my parents were also born and raised here. My mother was an Elmhurst uh, high school graduate, and my father was a Northside uh, high school graduate. Uh, that's kind of where the story begins. Late 70s is where they met on spring break. They dated for a few years, and then they got married, waited another few years, and along came me, the firstborn. That's pretty much my uh, my beginning. As far as education goes, I attended Southwick for elementary uh, and Village Woods Middle School, which no longer exists today. And then um, right after eighth grade, year is right around the time we moved out north so my freshman through senior year i went to snyder high school attempted college a couple of times unfortunately it didn't work out for the long haul long enough for me to uh, earn a college diploma but uh, i did attend a couple of different times and was able to gain some decent knowledge and whatnot as far as religious background i grew up a jehovah's witness that's about, about as much as I can give you at the moment. <laughs> That's fine. It's like a job yeah. interview. We, we need, we need yeah. to know everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So growing up, and we're going to start about the time when you moved out and you're going to Snyder High School. Um, sure. Do you remember getting instruction from your parents about, hey, this is the way you behave as a young man. If you ever get stopped by the police, this is what you do. Do you remember any of that kind of stuff? Growing up, the type of household that we had, that we had my parents ran a pretty tight ship. A lot of that had to do with our um, our religion. And then also the area that I grew up in on the southeast side of Fort Wayne at that time in the 90s um, and late 80s, most of the issues that we had were isolated to gang violence. So you usually could attribute, you know, um, most of the issues and crime to gang violence. Outside of that, really, it was just a lot of it were the values um, that we had from our religion as far as you know, treating others how you want to be treated and whatnot. And so along with that was a general idea of if you ever deal with police, if you're ever pulled over in a car with your friends with police, this is how you would act. This is how you would conduct yourself. No, sir. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Honestly, I hadn't had too many dealings with police up until that point anyway. And so at that time, totally different than what it is right now. It just was one of those things that was kind of just in the back of your mind. You you had policemen that would visit school and whatnot. You had an officer that would patrol on school grounds. And obviously that individual was always treated with respect. He displayed it back to us. Growing up with that background, when you're seeing the things unfold today, what bothers you about the relationship you see between the police and the community? The disconnection. It's amazing how we've grown to be so connected and yet so disconnected, Cleveland, because you look at the way that technology has advanced us forward. And I say that with quote unquote forward, because in so many ways we went backward. And so 
the face-to-face engagement has been pushed to the background. And so what happens is with social media and everything else going on, that's that's being allowed to kind of portray its own image and kind of be drilled into our minds, whether we like it or not, if we're, you know, allowing it to. So if I want to spend a lot of my time watching TV and different news channels, or if I want to keep scrolling through a Facebook or an Instagram, before I know it, I'm looped into whatever it is they want me to believe. And so that that's the difference. Back then, we did not have, I'm a, I, <laughs> and speaking to you, I know you understand, but I guess with me being late 30s now, it even sounds funny for me to say, but I'm mean, showing my age. But back then, TV, video games, things of that nature were more of a, hey, if it's raining outside and we have, you know, we have no way to go outside and play or engage with others, then we'll we'll sit down and tune into a television or video games. Right. Whereas now it's backwards. That's where you see a, a more of a disconnect than anything. Yeah, right. yeah, because yeah. we're being pushed to believe, I think, what a lot of the, between our peers and between media propaganda, where it, there's kind of being, a, a mesh is being shoved at us, and, and the free thinkers are just starting to kind of be pushed to the side. So, mm-hmm. yeah. When you were watching all these events unfold, all the protests, be it uh, good protests, bad, or whatever you want to, whatever you want to label them, did you have a problem with any of that? I'm going to be honest with you. I prided myself on being able to deactivate my Facebook or other social media platforms whenever I felt it was being too much. Peers of mine and whatnot are always connected and they they haven't disconnected at all. But with me, I learned from my cousin basically that it's okay to disconnect. And so what I would do is I would start to do that. And I prided myself on that. I was proud of myself because of that until the George Floyd incident happened. I found myself right back to scrolling through my Facebook. I had CNN playing in the background. I felt my emotions. I literally remember this day. It was a Saturday afternoon. I felt my emotions start to turn and I felt my blood boiling because of what I was seeing and witnessing on both my phone and the television. And so keeping in mind what I just told you about from how things used to be to what they are now, I was totally opposite of what I prided myself on doing. And so what happened was it got so intense that Saturday afternoon, I was home alone. I remember my, it was my birthday weekend, Memorial Day weekend uh, with the whole George Floyd incident. My wife had left with all the kids to give me a break for my birthday. And unfortunately it, it went opposite of what it should have because I was home alone, looking at all these things, reading through all these things, listening to all these things that it got so bad. I had to get in my car and just drive. I ended up at, I didn't know where I was going to go. Ended up at my best friend's house and he was able to comfort me because I was very much ready to, I think my anger had just taken over. I, I didn't know how to fix this. Mm-hmm. I was so upset with where we were at. And as a society, I was so upset with what I was seeing on television, everyone in social media bickering, bickering, bickering. And it was just, it got to me. It mm-hmm. finally got to me. And, and luckily my best friend was able to settle me down that day and put some, put some knowledge in my ear and kind of remind me of where I came from and everything that we've been able to overcome and, and get through. And yeah, but it, it was the most tense moment that I can recall having in a long time, right? very long time. Did you go to any of the protests? Did you participate? Did not attend, but my daughter and my mother went to the very first one we had downtown. However, it was so packed when they got down there, and it was still peaceful at this point. It was that very same Saturday, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, my mom and my daughter went down, but they never were able to get out the car. They drove. The traffic was being redirected at that point. Like I said, it was right to the getting to that tipping point, if you will. And they decided to come on back. I was already leery about my daughter going, but with my mom being there, I thought, okay. But, you know, I, she had some of her girlfriends down there and I wanted her to understand the situation. This isn't a place to an event to go and hang out because your friends are there. Understand why you're doing what you're about to go do. And again, I, at this point, everything the Facebook videos that people were putting up of everything was still peaceful at this point. I had no issues, but I told my mother to be very alert because these things can turn quickly from protests in the past. So what did you expect was going to happen? I mean, you said that you had a funny feeling uh, things could turn. 
What did you expect was going to happen in a peaceful protest? In a peaceful protest, it takes one. It, it just takes one for things to... Because with this, you, you have people down there that are, are protesting peacefully, but inside, you, you they're also upset and angry. However, they're, they're harnessing that. They're keeping that to the side and keeping it peaceful. But it takes one person to kind of spark what can turn into a, a huge incident. Unfortunately, when you have a protest like that, and Fort Wayne isn't used to that, um, this isn't something that the nation does on a regular basis. And, and you know, definitely, like I said, not here locally in Indiana, you're going to get some people that just see an opportunity to come down there and start a riot, to go against the system, mm -hmm. to, you know, take it to the man, if you will. So that's, that's really, it just took one. Mm -hmm. And what was your mother and daughter, if you know, what was their thought? Because you said, you know, hey, you're going down there. Know why you're going down there. What were you hoping they were going down there to do? So my daughter, I felt okay giving advice to and, and saying something like that to. Whereas my mother, <laughs> I, there's no way. She comes from a family that comes from Alabama. She comes from a family that has been through several racial incidents and whatnot. I wouldn't dare say it anyway, because my mother is, you know, very strong, wise woman, but she knew, I think she, she knew the, the, um, and she was smart about it. I, I think, you know, she, she knew the, um, that the situation was a very fragile one, uh, a tense one. So, but my daughter was more so the one just making sure she understands the, the meaning of this and whatnot. And she did. She, they got down there again, but they never left their car. They, they stayed in the car the entire time. And my daughter instead decided to peacefully protest with a few of her girlfriends at Foster Park. The next day, very nice sunny day. And it was, she made some signs. She took some photos. You know, I really challenged her to look into this fully and, and make sure you, you know, you get the facts because facts can be skewed. We see it all the time, not just with this situation, but all the time with media, social media. What do you believe on the Internet? What don't you believe on the Internet? What do you believe on TV? What don't you believe? So it was really just, hey, do the homework, you mm -hmm. know, do the homework and really challenge your friends, too, to do the homework because you come from a, a biracial background. You know, you know, we want to know the entire story, you know. OK, so your mother's down there. She's seen a lot of this stuff happen. She's taking your daughter down there, her granddaughter, and I'm sure she's wanting her granddaughter to kind of feel what she maybe felt and saw what she saw, but then to stand for something. Now, with all of that being said, the whole thing started to get out of control, and now you're seeing that Black Lives Matter, they're doing their thing, they're being accused of certain things and maybe some things they did do or didn't do. How do you feel about what you saw Black Lives Matter doing? I think they had the right idea the right intentions with a lot of emphasis on intentions unfortunately it only takes you know a few rotten apples to really get the message skewed and this entire thing spiral out of control i the property damage and whatnot you know my stance on that is always it is uncalled for and whenever i would see individuals i have friends of mine you know friends of mine i've known for years you know, that have police officers in their families. But we're very upset about, um, I believe, a police memorial was damaged shortly thereafter all of this. I've had friends that, you know, have said, hey, my my husband or my, my friend, police officer, you know, putting their life on the line being out here or, you know, this, that, and the other. And, you know, my stance was always property damage, although it, it was horrible, and it was, and very much uncalled for. We have to keep in mind that a life was lost that cannot be rebuilt. It cannot be reestablished. You know, Mr. Floyd, he's gone. And so let's have the right viewpoint on this. Okay. Like let's, that's why I was so with the peaceful protesting, but when it turned, that message got skewed all the way. And, and it, unfortunately it took attention away from George Floyd and his death and what it meant. It took attention from the, uh, away from the peaceful part of the protesting and why they were doing it. And all the attention turned to Black Lives Matter equals rioting and destroying property. Right. Instead of what was really supposed to be the issue there. We're not going to beat a dead horse here, but what I want to kind of ask about is, since this has all unfolded, do you know of anyone who's working with Black Lives Matter or is part of it? And what is their plan? I mean, what have they accomplished since this entire thing? Do you know of any of that? I know of a couple 
of younger individuals that are trying to be at the forefront of it that were actually down there that day and have protested several times peacefully and yet have had to cease their pro- peaceful protesting because of other you know, individuals coming in and trying to turn it away from being peaceful. But their main thing was trying to get with community leaders and trying to get a conversation going around how do we how do we fix this? How do we educate the people? Because a lot of this is really just miseducation. Um, when you when you really think about it to the core, um, and even my friends I spoke about a little while ago being very, very upset about the police memorial or po- their fellow police men and women that are out there on patrol and trying to keep the streets safe, it was really just educating and having a conversation, which takes me back to the issue of what I talked about when I was younger, as far as the face-to-face communication or even picking up a phone and having an actual conversation as opposed to text messaging and emailing. Really, it just took face-to-face communication. And so that's really what they're working on, the individuals that I know of that are associated with Black Lives Matter. And the individuals that I know aren't even Black. I mean, it's, you know, they're they're non-Black individuals that are trying to work towards really just partnering with community leaders, different pastors and whatnot, just trying to get the conversation going, which is really where it's going to start is having a conversation mm-hmm. with, with each other to get on the same page. Right. Have you heard of anything happening? Any progress? That was the latest update that I had on that was that meetings were scheduled to occur over the summer, you know, on on random dates. Now, as far as the what has come of it, I haven't heard much else. I know that things aren't quite as tense as what they were. I know that, you know, the protests have kind of died down a little bit. Here and there, you have some people that are saying, you know, they're worried that the conversation is going to get lost, that Black Lives Matter is going to get lost and that everything is going to take back over as far as COVID, which is important, don't get me wrong, but like COVID will take back over the airwaves, the elections coming up, sports is starting to come back into the picture and they feel like the conversation is going to get lost. And so to be honest with you, even me personally, I haven't seen many updates from these individuals as far as how it's going or what the uh, results are just Mm -hmm. yet. When you hear people saying, hey, uh, we understand black lives matter, but blue lives matter. You said you have friends that are police officers or their family or whatever. Do you feel that's the right time for that, for the blue lives matter? Or do you think that should be part of the discussion? I think, you know, when the blue lives matter or the all lives matter, either one, I think when it's when it's brought up against a black lives matter statement, I don't think it's the time. Because I think for those that say Black Lives Matter, in their minds, they do know that Blue Lives Matter and that All Lives Matter. We understand that. But what the focus is on is on Black people at this time. Um, and, and that's what, to me, what Black Lives Matter is just saying. Black Lives Matter because up until now, it seems like it really hasn't very much, at least from what we're seeing on television or on our phones and whatnot. And then when you really start to do the homework, if, if you, you know, uh, there's plenty of, of books out there. There's plenty of knowledge and, and different documentaries and whatnot and different scholars and whatnot that speak on black oppression and whatnot. And if you really do the history, you can really see why the statement Black Lives Matter is so important. Again, it's not saying Black Lives Matter and no one else's does. It just says Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. period. There's There's no dot, dot, dot after that. There's no Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives do not. Black Lives Matter, you know, and that's the way it's always going to, I mean, it just, right now, that that does need the focus. And Mm -hmm. and that's that's my true true belief. What do you think would make Black Lives Matter actually stand out a little bit more if they accomplished what? Fill that blank right there. If they accomplished blank. Unity. Unity within themselves. Within themselves, uh, not not within, within uh-huh. Black Lives Matter, you mean? Yep, absolutely. So if we can exactly what are the, the two non-Black individuals I spoke of, how they wanted to start their plight, how they wanted to start their plan was to get a conversation going with community leaders. That is really where it starts, because a lot of times you'll have people respond to a Black Lives Matter, well, Black Lives don't matter in Chicago because they're all killing each other. The the response is, it is unfortunate that that's the case. That's not the right answer. However, that is an answer 
as far as how we can start to get this ball rolling. So to me, focusing on our own communities and, and beginning to build within having more leaders in the na- the black neighborhoods that maybe are less fortunate or lower income, but then also having non-black volunteers being able to step in and also say, hey, Black Lives Matter, even though I'm not black, they matter to me. How can I help? Mm-hmm. And, and that's really where right now I feel like it can't be we can't if we can get the help of those that are non non-black, I mean, then there, there's no reason why we can't begin to build from within. Because right. it should never have in in a world that's or in a nation that calls itself free, we should never have to have a Black Lives Matter movement, especially in the year 2020. Uh-huh. It just shouldn't be that way. So because it is, how do we fix it? And I think it, it starts from within, within our own neighborhoods and communities, getting on the same page and then finding those individuals outside of those communities, like I mentioned before, a couple of peers of mine that are non-Black that are also willing to help because we're going to need the help of everyone can't just do it alone so right i'm gonna ask a strange question here you you said that uh your mom was black and your dad was white and you grew up biracial do you feel that you had an advantage of knowing both sides or understanding both sides i absolutely do 150 percent, i do (laughs) yeah there's that question's not strange at all not to me because i me and my sister i only have one sibling um she we discuss that often and so i you know um and they are i say this and i laugh every time and it's probably stereotypical but my mother when i say she's a black woman she's a black woman Mm -hmm. Uh, she comes from a family like i said that was established in alabama now my father is as white as they come (laughs) you know he has amish in his background and he has you know so nothing against either side but me and my sister joke about that often because you know in some cases you'll come across individuals that maybe you'll come across a white person that was raised in an area around you know black people that may have a certain uh way they talk or certain way they walk or dress Mm -hmm. and that's what they were raised around so when i say my father is as white as they come I smile, I laugh a little bit because that he was very much Indiana, very much family was, you know, his ancestors, rural Amish, but my mother, Southern as they come. So for us to get a full dose growing up, my sister and I, of each culture, oh, it, it just, I, it's priceless to me. Right. So yeah, yeah. like I said, it feels like you have an advantage that you can, you can feel like you can fit on either side. Now, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. With that being said, I've talked to several people who are biracial, and they said that it was kind of hard in high school trying to fit on one side or the other. Did you have that same experience? I did. I had friends that were, and I didn't play sports because it wasn't allowed in our religion, or or else that probably would have helped me. So I was even more off kind of putting then. So, I mean, I had friends that wore huge earrings and were into your gothic Marilyn Manson music. We would all stand together at lunch with some of the guys that wore, maybe the pants were sagging a little bit and they're into hip hop. All stood together and I was proud of it because I didn't try to hang with any certain crowd more than the other. I just went where I felt welcome. Um, so I, I really embraced it in high school. I can understand how it could be tough. Don't get me wrong. But in my, my first year or two was tough because remember, we moved from the south side to the north side. I didn't have many friends. But, oh, yeah, by about, you know, sophomore, junior year, I had friends of all types. And it, it just seemed to uh, work out. And, you know, I was myself. And so, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Now, trying to gear, uh, put us back on track here just a little bit. Not that I didn't appreciate that. I like that conversation. That's good stuff. <laughs> what? When you look at policemen and the, I want to say, disrespect that they're getting today, and I'm going to say it's more so than it used to be, does that concern you? It does. Um, if you're if you're kind of a forward thinker and you start to think, I mean, like the whole defunding the police, right? I think is is a scary thought. I can understand where you're coming from with it as far as the anger and the rawness of so many deaths that have been displayed on television or our phones from wrongful deaths. I get it. I get where it's coming from. 
the thought of a defunded police department anywhere in America uh, scares the heck out of me. And so the disrespect is the next worst thing to actually defunding. I, again, crimes that are committed and we're so quick to call 911 for help, I just think it might be a little hypocritical of us if we're not careful. We could easily stumble down a path of, I hate you, you know, uh, blue lives this, blue lives that. However, I need you, you know, for when this occurs, or I need you for when this occurs. Hey, I, I got to call 911. Um, yeah, I think someone's trying to break into my home. Hey, I got to, you know, so yeah, as far as disrespect or defunding, I'm not pro that at all whatsoever. It, that, to, to be honest with, with you, it scares me because yeah. who who steps in without a police department? You can't just out of nowhere organize who you would consider to be leaders in your own neighborhood and expect them to police 24-7. There's certain training that you have to go through to be a policeman. Not that there aren't bad eggs out there because we've already seen that now, but there are also good ones, more so good ones. I would like to think that there are more good than bad. So the ones I've came across in my lifetime, I've never had an issue with. So that's where I'm at with it. Okay. So with that being said, do you think it has a lot to do with how you respond to the officer who's talking to you at that moment? I want to say yes. And I think in most cases, yes. But I mentioned bad eggs as well. <laughs> and I think if you catch the wrong officer on the wrong day, I don't, you know, maybe going through something outside of their work, or maybe they, it was their day at work itself, or it's just the officer just out looking to show his stuff and be braggadocious. Who knows? In some cases, manners, I mean, it, it might just be wrong, wrong time, wrong situation. But in most cases, and even my own, when I display my manners, no, sir, yes, sir. And, and I, you know, I've never had any issues. Of course, there in any profession, there are those out there that just unfortunately can, you know, um, cause a ruckus there and cause issues. And unfortunately, in the line of police work, you have very little room for error. Mm -hmm. because of the job that you do, because of protecting citizens. And so you have to kind of try and really weed those bad ones out when and if you can. Now, with that being said on the police side, do you believe that there's individuals who no matter what, if they interact with a policeman, they're going to give as much disrespect as possible? At this point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even now more so than before, yes. And now why do you say uh, even now more so than before? What does that mean? I think after the, especially this year, 2020, you got to realize the things that get programmed into our minds subliminally without us even knowing it, it's scary. The things that, especially the youth that they grow up in this digital culture and the things that they can see um, in the palm of their hands, just a quick click or a quick button push. I just think it, it's very much an us against them mentality at, at this point. And I think it's because it's been ingrained, whether we wanted it to or not, because of what we see on television and what we hear on the radio and, and you know, what's being put out there into uh, art and culture. Okay. I, I do think it's, yeah, so some the, out there that just, yeah. Yeah. So you believe that there's some learning and some training on both sides that need to play, take place? Oh, absolutely. I think... Uh, conversations need to be had because I remember how I used to think when I was 17, 18, I think back on it and I almost scare myself <laughs> because of how I, I yeah. think because of how I viewed life, I think because of the invincibility that I felt that freeness, that, that new freedom that you have, you know, authority is, is just the, you know what I mean? I, I just want to do me. I want to do what I want to do. And so, yeah, that <laughs> if you don't have a good teacher or a, a good, guide you can very easily be lost out here because it now it's in you know it's everywhere it's in the music that you turn on the radio and it's in the like i said uh the news but even more so the phones you know the phones the internet it, it just it's right there unfortunately it's so easily accessible so when you lay in bed late at night you're just on your phone before you fall asleep and all you're doing is scrolling through and seeing these things. You wake up, you, know, you shower, whatever it is you do before you go off for your day, you're right back on your phone, on your breaks at your job. You're on your phone. So you're seeing this, seeing this, seeing this, and it's getting ingrained. And again, it even happened to me. That's why I believe it, because it happened to me. And I thought I had this under control. 
I, I came from a biracial background. I, I could have swore I was very, when it comes to race and things of that nature, I, I thought I was, you know, middle ground. I thought I had this together. I thought, you know, and just that quick being alone home that day, it got to me so bad that I had to go. I was almost in tears. I just, and so I know if it can happen to me, a father of four, someone with a, a home, a full-time job, and, and kind of pride myself on being very neutral when it comes to all races and race relations and police, anything of that nature, mm-hmm. that just that quick, it can it can turn you. So uh, you mentioned that you have children. Are you teaching them? Well, let me just back that up. What are you mm-hmm. teaching them about this entire event that's going on right now that they're seeing? What are you saying? Well, what has happened is I have a, um, it's, it's funny because my kids are all different shades. I have kids that are as dark as me. I have kids that, and I'm married to a white woman. So I have kids that are, are her complexion. Uh, society won't with one of my sons, I'd say one out of my four, he looks like he's hundred percent Caucasian. I don't think anyone would know that he has 25% black in him. You know, it's, it's weird because he doesn't quite understand because of his skin color and he's only eight. But it's my two oldest, my daughter and uh, my stepson, that I have a conversation with them, especially my stepson, because he's really kind of just he's an introvert. He's detached from reality. He doesn't like really, you know, staying up to date on this kind of stuff or even really talking about it. But I had to force the conversation with him this time and just kind of loop him in because just getting hearsay or little things from a couple of friends that he does have i wanted him to really kind of understand it and understand that you know and, and my wife joined me too you know when you're out and about or if you're taking a walk or if you ever get pulled over and we even had this conversation before the george floyd incident but he's darker than me and it's like hey you know um you need to understand not just policemen but sometimes there are just people out there that just want trouble and you just need to be able to address not just policemen but strangers with no sir yes sir yes ma'am no ma'am because that's just the way we were raised and so uh the and then of course my daughter obviously she was already involved with the peaceful protesting and whatnot so we we've had several conversations now my youngest is only four so i don't you know i don't really say much with him as far as how all this goes policemen are his heroes at this point i don't want to change that you know he's a big fan of the the cartoon paw patrol where they're <laughs> police dogs and fire you know fire department dogs so i remember that i remember being a kid and those were our heroes there was a time where policemen and firemen were all considered heroes not the case anymore but you know and it's sad that it's it's gotten to this point but that's where we're at do you believe that that can come back do you believe that one day there will be a generation of kids who will have the same experience we had as kids and can look in a history book and say, I can't believe that people treated each other that way. Do you believe that can happen? It can. Um, I think anything's possible. Um, I don't, I think seeing beyond the way things are now is tough. I think some of that has to do with, with COVID-19 and not being able to engage with other people in person as much. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of forced to have to do things with communicating electronically and whatnot. But if we could get this virus behind us and be able to start engaging with our neighbors and, and, you know, fellow humans and be able to gather and whatnot, we can get through it. You know, you got a lot of individuals this time around. I mean, it really hit the fan this year back Memorial day weekend. We've had several deaths that was a a black individual die at the hands of a police officer, the Breonna Taylors and whatnot. And you can go all the way back, Trayvon, and then you go really back, the whole thing with Rodney King. It wasn't a death, but it was a beating on video, and it was one of the first we've seen. This has been happening, and yet society continued to you know, go on. It's just this year, I want to say we, we hit like a, a peak, and then from here on out, I want to say that this is going to start to dwindle back the other way and we're going to start to see improvements and people will start to finally engage with one another but at the same time it'll just take one more death on video put up on facebook and you know so we're that's as fragile as the the culture that we're living in right now Mm -hmm. um we're really at the mercy of of that Mm -hmm. of of what can be shared 
from phone to phone, what can be put on video, whether it's body cams or someone taping with a cell phone. Right. And we're also at the mercy of of COVID. We're not nearly as far as we need to be on a, on a health level. So we're <laughs> to, this year really kind of held up a mirror to, I think, some underlying things that were going on in America. Right and whatnot. And it just really forced a lot of us to kind of go back to the drawing board and just really try to get this figured out. You said a couple of things. I'm going to go back. It's going to be kind of a two-part question. I'm going to ask you one here, then I'll ask you another one. Do you believe that the police are involved as in as many uh, officer-involved shootings of white people as they are black people? Statistics, I, I believe, say so. I believe statistically, I believe there are more white deaths, if I'm not mistaken, than black deaths at the hands of a um, police officer. Um, I Now, statistically, number, there's numbers and then there's percentages. Right, right. So if you look at the percentage of, you know, because obviously there's a lot less African-Americans in the U.S. than, than mm-hmm. Caucasians by far. So that's where you got to kind of look at. But yeah, number-wise, I, I believe there's more um, in totality. So then my next part is, do you believe that the news media picks to show you whenever there's a male black killed by police officers? Versus, oh, yeah. Okay. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. Because how many do, do they show of a white individual being killed at the hands of a police officer? I, I rarely see it displayed. Now, according to statistics, it happens. It happens mm-hmm. more than, than black ones. It's just, you know, and it. I don't want to go down the conspiracy lane, but, you know, it's like, why show us all of this? Well, I put it to the forefront. Why? What? What's really going on? I think that that one day where I about lost it and I went to my best friend's house, he really made me stop and realize, like, look at the big picture here. What I mean, why post this all over the news and media? What's really going on? Mm-hmm. You know, and so and that's what really kind of calmed me because I had to really dial it back and realize, is it is it? the police versus the people or is it black versus white? Like, is this a racial thing or is this a civil thing? Like where it's, where it's as far as police versus citizens. And so that's until this day, that that's still something we all have to ask ourselves. You know, the, the police officer that murdered George Floyd, was it a racial incident or was there something else going on? I mean, what was it? But the media, regardless of what's going on, it doesn't matter. Media is going to paint it a certain way. The way they want to paint it, hey, after that, it's there's no stopping. It's like a locomotive. It, it, there's no stopping at that point. It, it's going to get shared from phone to phone, from TV to TV, and you just have to mm-hmm. buckle down because it's about to be a ride, you know? So let me ask you, as you're asking yourself those questions, do you believe it's more police versus blacks, or do you believe it's whites versus blacks, or what do you think it is? I think it's both. Um, I think in certain cases you can have individuals infiltrate the police department in some cities that, you know, may have a, a certain thing against a certain race. I tend to think there can't be that many. I want to say they're vetting for that type of thing. You would think that, it, you know, it, it wouldn't It'd be good enough to hopefully weed out some of those. But in some cases, I, I, I do think it's racial. You know, in other cases, I think it, it's just some some police maybe have a power trip against any and everyone that wants to come against them or maybe maybe they have priors so when they get pulled over they you know this person has priors plus they're getting smart with me not not wanting to comply you know it, they could be all types of things we just we don't we don't know enough mm-hmm. and media doesn't really want to give you i think all the details all the time and that's nothing against either side it's just we i think we have to kind of sit back and realize like are we being like, you know, led astray here, you know, and it just, you know, we just kind of have to look at it from a holistic point of view, because again, seeing George Floyd repeatedly, his life slowly dying was agonizing. I mean, no matter what side you're on it, it, if you have any type of empathy and feelings and emotion, you're touched by that. And so it does kind of, you know, make you want to go back and, and figure this thing out. So, right. It kind of makes you step back and say, okay, by this being on TV or by the media showing me this, who is really benefiting from this? Yeah. yeah. I think if you step back and ask yourself that question, it would calm you down enough to know, okay, maybe I shouldn't be getting as riled up as I am. I can be hurt by it, but I can't let somebody else dictate my feelings. Right, right. Because 
when I went to my best friend's house, that was something similar he said to me. I mean, even that night we stepped out and uh, went to go grab a bite to eat, but I was I was nervous. He wasn't. I was, and he calmed me down because where we went was on the west side of Fort Wayne, and we went to an area where we used to always go, but I just didn't know if there would be bikers there or some type of individuals because I let the media kind of you know kind of uh, dictate me into believing that there could possibly be a white and black issue mm-hmm. now because of all the protesting. When we walk into this place to go grab a bite, and if there are certain individuals there, are they going to look at us a certain way? Are they, because of everything going on, are they going to want to start a fight with us? You know, everything was going through my head. And like I said, if it wasn't for my buddy that day to just, you know, he kept his TV off when I visited him. And, you know, and because and, when I walked in, he had it on. He could tell he turned it right off. You know, if it wasn't for him that day to really kind of talk some sense back into me, you know, who knows? I I was just, I was so, so hurt and enraged by what I had seen on my phone and on TV. Now, have you had a chance to talk to your parents about this? Yes. And it hit my mother harder after that day. And the two of them even had to have a conversation because it, it, it woke some things up in my mom from her childhood to where she even kind of had to dial it back because she's married to a white man but for a moment it was almost like it was her enemy because it because of media because of television and because of the things that woke up deep within her she had to do something similar to me just turn it off because those memories those things from her childhood were put away mentally those were stored away and it, it was something about this that just brought it right back And my father, because of his skin color, yeah, we had to have conversations as a family, as a matter of fact, to make sure we were all on the same page about this. So, yeah, I mean, it it didn't just hit me. It, It got to my mom pretty hard after that day, and I had to really have some conversations. My father, though, I was impressed with because it wasn't until then, and nothing against him for this, but it wasn't until then where he wasn't actually trying to learn and educate himself on what it is that not just what my mother went through, but growing up, even me and my sister, you know, because I love growing up biracial, but it didn't mean that we didn't go through our own little persecutions as well. So it took, it took your dad seeing this and then getting a true feeling of what you guys have been going through. Is that what I'm getting? Exactly. Because he not a racist, but in his mind, it was one of, he isn't a racist, but what ha, what you kind of get is, oh, that doesn't involve me. Let me just leave that over di- over that way, you know, and, and that's what was happening with a lot of America. That doesn't, that doesn't affect me or my family. So I'm not going to really be a part of that. Uh, let me change the channel or let me go to something different or yeah, that's sad about George Floyd, but that happened in Minnesota. That doesn't affect me. I still got to wake up tomorrow, go to work, pay bills. Well, in this case, I think he's seen his granddaughter turn over a new leaf once this happened. And I think his wife. And I think between those two things, it it just really hit something within him. And he wanted to learn. He wanted to, he finally sat and watched the full video of George Floyd. And he hadn't up until that point. So he's seen how it was upsetting his own family. And so, you know, he was just one of those, he keeps to himself anyways, but he just was one of those that he's like me. We don't, Normally, him and I, we don't do the media thing. We don't, you know, I always preach to my mom, turn off Nancy Grace, turn off CNN, just, (laughs) you know, go watch something else, you know. But like I said, this one, it it brought it to your front door, whether you liked it or not. And everyone had an opinion. My white grandparents, we had a conversation. They wanted to know similar to similar questions to what you're asking. Quentin, have you ever been through this? Quentin, you know, you know, and it just it opened up a lot of doors. And as bad as this thing is, as horrible as it is, and I mean, everyone you talk to says the same thing, there has been a lot of good conversation that has come out of it if you've taken the opportunity to have a conversation with someone. Do you agree with that? Oh, I wholeheartedly agree with that, and there's still a lot of good conversation left. And that's why I asked the question about what is Black Lives Matter doing? I mean, what are they getting? What are they accomplishing? I would hate to say, hear it say, well, they're at a standstill right now. Not when the door is open now do you stand yep. at the threshold. You better go in and have that yeah. conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I think it has to go beyond Black Lives Matter. Now it's just about having, it isn't even really 
you don't even have to put a name on it. Just have a conversation mm-hmm. with your fellow human, your fellow neighbor. Let's just start. Let's just start talking. Let's start communicating. Let's stop judging so much. And let's, you don't know someone's background. You don't know what that person has been through, no matter what the color. Let's just talk. Let's just have a conversation. Yeah, that, that I think that's been the biggest thing that I have seen. Uh, more people willing to talk about it. Absolutely. Okay, let me ask you: How since this thing, how has this affected you? Have you has it gotten any better? I mean, you went through a tough time there. You admitted that. What's yeah. been What's been going on with you since then? Um, I'll be honest. I had to. I had to get through the whole racial part of it. It wasn't so much. Yeah, there's the little nervous when a police gets behind you when you're driving. Um, but then I was, it was always like that. I think me and my buddies, we've always been nervous when police get behind us, but not so much because we're afraid of getting pulled over and, and shot and killed. It's more so like, oh, I hope I wasn't speeding. Oh, I hope I don't get a ticket. I mean, that, that kind of stuff. Like anyone would have a fear when they see a police car pull behind them. But I mean, it, the more so the racial part of it, and it seems to have calmed, obviously, a little bit by now but for a while there there's a park i used to love to walk at here in fort wayne to get exercise um not too far from new haven and i haven't been since out of fear because there's a patch of woods there and i was really really afraid really afraid to go walk and not so much of fear of police but just the racial tension being knowing that we live in northeast indiana and allen county i just i don't I don't know what awaits me. I'm a big guy. You've seen me. I, you know, I just, there was a certain fear there. And I used to, I've walked at that part for years, but after this, I didn't know about the tensions and what, where they were at here locally. Now that was more so shortly thereafter all of this occurred, but I was afraid to walk there. I was afraid to walk around my neighborhood because I normally walk with headphones on. Sometimes if there's a breeze out, I'll have my hood up. And you just don't want to get mistaken because for a while there seemed like a lot of the deaths, well, oh, it was a mistake. Oh, it was a mistake. I thought he was holding something. I thought he had a gun. I thought there was this. That stuff, I, I feared that for a while. Now, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I haven't been back to the park since, but it has nothing to do with that. I've just been too busy with work. But Are you just um, trying, you're just trying not yeah, to go see? exercise. Come on. <laughs> don't call me out, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I've walked around the neighborhood a couple times, and we're fairly new to the neighborhood, so that's why I, I kind of say, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know, we do live in a predominantly white neighborhood in a nicer area of Fort Wayne, and I just, I don't want to, you know, prior, I didn't want to get mistaken with everything going on, and I didn't want anyone to fear me either. I think that's the bigger thing for me. I'm such a nice, gentle, I'm a big guy, mm-hmm. but... I'm a nice, gentle, laid-back guy. I really am, um, especially when you get to know me. So I just didn't want to be a mistake. I didn't want to be a death by mistake. And I think that's where I was at. Now, do you think with that mindset that you're depriving your neighbors from the opportunity to approach you and start a conversation? Absolutely, I am. I never said it was right. <laughs> but so, yeah, no, I, I will wholeheartedly answer yes to that because it was out of fear and believing what the media was putting in front of me. Right. And I think the propaganda and whatnot for a while there, it did get to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, you know, fearful. And yeah, you had the COVID and whatnot going on. But mm-hmm. even then, yeah, I, I just was, I was afraid and I have to exercise, you know, I, I, I need to get out there. So, okay. So you keep on making excuses for not getting out yeah, there, see? meeting your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, as, as bad as things have gotten there, the baddest things have been, um, I think sometimes that actually opens the door. And if we don't step through, we don't take that opportunity, we miss it. And, yep. you know, I bet there's probably a neighbor going, boy, if I see him out again, I'm going to go over and have a conversation. But they never see you now. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you hiding in the this house with true. your hood up. <laughs> yeah. See? See? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Give me give me one thing that you would love to see. I mean, to make this, forget about the, uh, the virus. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about society. What would you really love to see for you and for your kids to make things better? I mean, you, you have a magic wand right now. What will you make happen? What do you want to see? Just unity. Unity at, I mean, just unity. I, I think if we can somehow look past race and be able to focus more on someone's character 
I mean, that's that's really that's really all I want, especially, uh, you know, for my children as they grow. And, and after I'm gone one day, I just want them to have be able to have unity with their fellow their fellow human, regardless of uh, of race. That would that would be number one. Mm -hmm. Q, what am I forgetting to ask you? Because, I mean, this has been good. What am I forgetting? Come on. What's on your mind? Hey, I <laughs> I think. I mean, right now, I think it's still, you've asked very, very, very good questions. I think as long as we, moving forward, if I have any type of a closing or, or anything, I don't want to say you forgot to, to ask me anything, but if I could just say anything yeah. additional, I think there needs to be conversations had with all races. I, I think this has to go, America's a melting pot, and I don't think this can stop at black and white. There are way too many... Um, we have Hispanics, Asians, Indians. There are way too many other races that I just think there's a lot more conversation left. You've seen, and I'm sure you probably heard about the team previously known as the Washington Redskins. Again, you have that culture now speaking out. There just needs to be a lot more conversation, and it all begins at home with our own families, and then it needs, needs to extend out from there. I've had a lot of individuals Caucasian individuals in my life afraid, but feel so comforted after they were able to speak to me. Even my own father, a certain comfort was able to come over him because I did not yell and cuss and say, you guys did this, did this to our culture for 400 years. And you, you know, that's my father. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, he, he, he brought me here, him and my mother. So, but even for those that aren't my family, let's just have a conversation. Let's chat. I want to hear about you too. It isn't just about what my me or my black family have been through i want to hear about what you have been through regardless of your race mm -hmm. and that's really that's really where i'm at so well that was well said that was I, I i appreciate that and with that being said we're going to end on that note we don't want to mess it up any more than that <laughs> <laughs> you i really appreciate uh you agreeing to do this agreeing to talk and i'm so happy you spoke from the heart and uh, talked about a lot of good things. Thank you very much for being who you are. Thank you for raising your family the way you're raising your family. And again, I, I think you have an advantage to be able to see it from both sides. And that is such a neat thing that people don't understand. Absolutely. And I thank you for having me, Cleveland. Always a pleasure. All righty. Folks, thanks for listening to Police Pod Talk, and hopefully you got something out of our conversation that you can share. And we do. We encourage you to have that conversation with that person. No matter how uncomfortable you think it may be, but it's not as bad when you finish with a cue. Thank you very much, and folks, tune in next week to Police Pod Talk. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Junior or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.